Welcome to Josh's Worst Nightmare Oddcast, presented by Denver Horror Collective. I'm your host, Josh Schlossberg, surveying the dark landscape of biological horror fiction. For this episode, we're being invaded by Jeff Wood. Jeff spends way too much time looking at the night sky and a little too much time watching baseball. He grew up in Iowa and spent over a decade in the wilds of New York City before moving to Colorado. He's had over 30 stories published in various magazines, anthologies, and websites. Welcome to my nightmare, Jeff. Thanks for having me, Josh. Absolutely. So I know Jeff through Denver Horror Collective, which is a horde of horror authors. He's in my novel writing critique group, and I both appreciate his critiques and very much enjoy his work. So for those who are not familiar with the podcast, I invite on horror writers to talk about an aspect of biological horror, which I define very broadly as living creatures, vital processes relevant to their writing in some way. This episode, we're talking about the human mind having its own agenda, or the title Jeff also suggested, The Mind as Monster. So why this topic in terms of your writing, Jeff? Um, I don't know. It, it, it has come through in a lot of ways, because I, I was thinking about this before I went on. And I think uh, this isn't really monstrous, but I remember back in high school when I was reading way too much Kurt Vonnegut, um, did the whole idea of the of people just being robots, of just these chemical robots run by chemicals or run by bad wiring or bad ideas. Um, so I think early on, maybe early on when thinking about writing, I always had the idea that that, that human behavior was at least, you know, partly robotic. Um, my wife uh, or my my first wife died of early onset dementia. I figure I'll get that out of the way right right now to open that up for a topic. I think that really influenced me uh, uh, in a large way too, because it's really easy to think of a disease like that as a monster, like in as something personified. I think something you've done as well in your writing. So for sure, that certainly pushed me towards that towards the topic. Yeah, I can only imagine that's a, a very difficult experience to go through. And I did write a bit about dementia of course in my novella Moline and yeah that's a it's a very serious a very upsetting topic and uh yeah I'm sad to hear that you went through that but I guess the positive element if there is any is that you have you've seen behind the curtain you've been exposed to elements of the shadow and perhaps you can help yourself and the rest of us push through into the light would that be an accurate statement yeah I mean it it it, it kind of gives you just this sense of uncertainty um, about anybody's brain, just like, you know, that the brains are liable just to kind of go off on their own and like do their own thing. Um, and it connects to a lot of other horror ideas. I, I wrote, uh, this might be a kind of a lengthy aside. So I, while my wife was dying, I wrote like a like 40,000, 50,000 words while it was happening. Um, and the file is just like sitting on my desktop and I'm like scared to freaking touch. Um, I just can't open it. Um, and I think I will, but not yet. Um, mm -hmm. But the, I don't want to put this, the, okay, I'll put it this way. When, 
so my dad was going through open heart surgery while my wife was dying. He's fine. You know, it went well. And at the time, I think it was expected to go well. And I was writing a story at the time called Veronica Scissors, which is on Amazon, if anyone cares. The short story, um, it's kind of like Bloody Mary-ish about like teen girls, you know, saying junk into the mirror. Um, and at the time, I thought I was writing about my dad's open heart surgery because it, it was way more bloody than I had ever written at the time. It was also just this inevitability of this, this, this monstrous thing that could not be stopped. And it was so bloody and so kind of relentless. I assumed it was about surgery. And I was writing this in like waiting rooms. Uh, I'm writing it in the car sometimes. Uh, and then I realized, I think like a full year later, that it really had nothing to do with, uh, with the, the open heart surgery. It was about it was about dementia. It was about the in, in, the inevitability of that and how it was like this monster that was like coming towards you. It, it, it really personified it, I think. And, yeah. uh, and another one, and I wanted to actually wanted to talk about this with you because I'm not, because you're Jewish and I'm not, but I, I had actually, the metaphor I jumped on in that, in that little 40, 50,000 word thing when it was happening was the golem. Mm. Um, the idea that, that like the brain is clay because there's i'm going to get this wrong i think there's something about the there's a word that means death and if you take away a letter or you add a letter it means life yeah well it's uh emet emet which is truth yes. and then you take a letter away and then it becomes death right so yeah amet to met or something like that yep emet to to met correct Okay, and so that's the that that was the the golem monster that also kind of attached itself pretty strongly um, to the idea of dementia, um, and hold on, our door just beeped. <laughs> um, and so yeah, like like the, the like I, I I was literally like seeing the brain as clay, and the, like right up here, I guess this is just video or audio, so nobody can hear it, but like right along the top of the brain is the frontal temporal lobe where all this shit was going on. So, and so I could just visualize like this, this finger, like finger of God, finger of, you know, the of dementia or whatever, of just going down the front of her brain and just kind of like smooshing in this letter. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a really powerful image, I guess, of the, of the, 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 the clay of the the clay of the brain i guess yet another way your brain can can betray you certainly yeah there's so much to this topic so the brain is i mean it looks like clay it's this goop but it's also yeah. the most complex machine in existence that we know of so we have this whole it's physically in place and you need to eat carrots and other things so it keeps working but then there are worlds operating inside of it. It's it is a crazy thing, and obviously none of this would be possible without our our brain. And while apes do have very complex brains, I think it's certainly clear, without being speciesist, that we humans have a far vaster complexity for for better for worse. Because it seems like apes' lives until we interfere with them seem pretty okay to me. But <laughs> pretty happy. But it is, it's, it's, it's the essence of everything and it is pure biological horror. So in a sense, 
the physical manifestation. And then it turns into, I don't want to say supernatural things, but metaphysical, all that stuff. But you brought up a couple other aspects in terms of the mind is not entirely you. And interesting, oh. when you go into Eastern philosophy, the whole concept of the mind that, and this may not be what you're getting at, and we don't have to go far down this road, but basically that there is no real version of the self, that we're just conjuring all of these images of what we think is reality and something's going on, but it's sort of just through a glass darkly. But you're saying it sometimes develops its own agenda and you talk about addiction, compulsive behaviors, mental illness, and everyday neuroses of the mind leading us someplace we shouldn't go. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because that's fascinating to me yeah well and, and well there's all those interior things that you just because i agree wholeheartedly that the mind's just a construct and that i think the whole brain mind dichotomy is kind of bullshit to begin with i mean you know i, I think the minds i think the minds are really untrustworthy thing partly because i mean there's all these things we've just talked about like mental illness and you know anxiety and addiction yada 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 but there's also folks who are like trying to hijack your brain there, there's there's i was reading this morning um kind of in preparation for this because a, a subject that's long fascinated me and i've written stories about this too is toxoplasmosis oh you know yeah i i wrote a short story about that actually really? called the cats, the cats meow well i'll have to read yours and you'll have to read mine oh absolutely can you can you put it in a nutshell like what was yours about it's basically all of the behaviors around what happens when that goes into your brain. I subtly put that into the story so you don't quite know what's going on, but the woman doesn't like cats and it turns out she has a reason. And I just wanna say, I do like cats. And I uh, love cats. But all the things that it makes, it's thought to, studies have shown it taking over the brain and making humans do the whole quote, crazy cat lady may have some basis in all of that. Well, and apparently it puts it, it it increases aggressiveness. It can. Um, it increases uh, like yeah, aggressive behavior. I guess for the the mice, I think evolutionarily that because it's a it's a cat born disease, and I too like deeply love cats. Mm -hmm. um, it's a cat born disease, and it makes mice behave more recklessly, so it makes mice more able to be caught by cats. Um, but there's also apparently people with toxoplasmosis are better entrepreneurs. Like that, that's a, that's getting rid of a fear in a good way where you can just go out there and jump into the world and attempt your own business. So it, yeah. I mean, it definitely, and that's something you don't know how many people know they have toxoplasmosis. Like half, the, half the world now, I think. I think um, it's not that much, but it's in different places. It's, it's surprising. And yeah, we don't really know all the, the stuff around it, but yeah, it's a parasite that goes in the brain and does weird things, but the brain is weird enough on its own that it can go <laughs> cuckoo without any sort of parasite or even disease. Or, or like, yeah, uh, cause this was just, I kind of just found this by accident. Is it ibuprofen? Have you heard this? Apparently, ibuprofen apparently affects emotional pain that, that they found that, and there was a, there was a gender difference. Women who took ibuprofen ibuprofen were less likely to be bothered by painful emotions, whereas men were more likely to be bothered by painful emotions. That's so it's, you know, you don't, you don't, 
you're never going to analyze your behavior. Like, oh, I took ibuprofen this morning. Did that affect my behavior? Or I have toxoplasmosis. Did that affect my behavior? But it's just two variables among countless variables that are just affecting your brain. I think I really, I really think that you don't you don't have full control of your brain. And there's all these variables, and all we we're giving the comforting illusion that you know we're in charge. We're at the center of this little spaceship, this little Ed based spaceship, but. And that's, I'm not necessarily saying that's even untrue. There's just a lot of variables involved in perception. Yeah. And I do think all of us are a little mad. I okay. definitely think that. I tend not to have a, I try not to have dichotomous views of the world of just this, like people are evil. I do think almost everyone has a seed or a germ of evil or intentional or otherwise in us. But, you know, so I don't think we're all walking around completely insane, but I think we are all suffering elements of madness. And I do actually think the pandemic has brought that upon us in, it could be, you know, a, a slew of ways, some maybe justified based on being concerned about dying and, and witnessing mass death, and then just things around being isolated and just getting weird. I know I've gotten weirder over the last two years as if I needed to be any weirder than I was. But you, you mentioned, I, I want to mention again, so the addiction, compulsive behaviors, neuroses, Let, let's talk a little bit about that, because I think that is, I, I have had a podcast on alcohol specifically. So we talked about alcoholism and, but that is, a lot of these are just, I, in a sense, normal, right? And yeah. very, or at least extremely extremely common. So in the case of addiction, a lot of times, I guess it's always a substance, but in a sense, we can be addicted to our smartphones. So it's not necessarily a chemical substance that we're addicted to the dopamine, I guess, is what's going on there. But what do you think about all that? Well, that's something I wanted to talk about too, because I think a new one that has entered the sphere and one that's kind of entering my novel now too, as you somewhat know, um, is the like button. It's just that that whole new very simple stimulus response structure that seems to have invaded like everything. I certainly can't be a new you know, strategy. So I don't want to say it's, you know, that Facebook has suddenly changed the world because I'm sure the stimulus and response has been around, you know, since human beings have been around. But the idea of posting something and then getting a little ding from your phone every time someone likes it is so similar to just, you know, pushing a bar and getting a little, little food pellet in response. And it's like, I, it's not so much with Facebook, but I have a, like a little cricket noise that goes off. You may even hear it today. Um, when I get an email or when I get a message and I'm the same way, it's not a like button, but it's this, I hear that cricket. I'm like, ding, or I just, you know, somebody's talking to me. What do I hear? And I'm, so I've, I've allowed this addiction. I don't know if it's an addiction. We'll call it compulsion might be a better word to, to, always just automatically react to that to that cricket noise um and what the, i don't want to give too much of the novel away but the and there's a ton of conspiracy theories explaining what's happening but the 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 central one or at least the one i believe in as the writer is that you know those ring doorbells yes that they like they see somebody at your porch and then you know apparently you can network them so you can see who's on your neighbor's porches yada 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 huh well, I, the novel's positing that those, and a lot of the science in this is true, is that 
the doorbells are doing a brain scan visually, which is actually can be done. They've, uh, they can detect dementia through just through eye scans that they can tell what's going on somewhat inside your brain through, through by scanning your eyes. So the, the premise of the novel is that these doorbells are, they're mapping your brain and they're, they're, they're not transmitting. So it's a passive device, but they're monitoring your brain. The ringing of the doorbell is the stimulus and opening the door is a response. So it's very much like the like button. I ring the bell, the door opens in response. So the ring, the, the, it's called the peep company in my novel yeah. is making a, a database of just like they, just like Facebook does by scraping your data, but it's data of people's brains. And they try to use that to sell them shit, you know, to make them want more shit, to buy more shit, to, you know, and the whole world turns into like kind of a zombie cult at that point because it goes too far because they don't really know what they're doing and because it's a really blunt instrument. So it's just these, it's, so it's, it's, it's kind of uh, weaponizing that like stimulus response, if that makes sense. Yeah, it absolutely does. And I do think it's valid to point out that the tech landscape that we're all inhabiting clearly does and may have a lot of other repercussions that we're not fond of and things that we're not yet aware of. And yeah, it could be argued, is that more of an issue than meth? Well, not, I don't know a lot of people who do meth, but every single person I know is a little bit influenced by technology. So that's a real thing. And of course that television show Black Mirror did a really excellent job of issues around tech and some of which they actually predicted as sort of like a technological only or uh, Twilight Zone is what I mean to say. And then the book I'd mentioned to you, Dave Eggers, who is not a horror author. He's more literary fiction, I suppose you could say. And he has a book called The Every, which is a sequel to The Circle. And the whole thing is actually comedic and sort of sat satirizing things like Amazon, Google, Facebook, kind of clumping it one thing, and then taking things that exist into ridiculous degrees. But in a way, that book is a horror novel because sure. a lot of the stuff that happens in it is horrific and absurd. And yeah, I mean, here we are, I'm on Zoom. I communicated with you about this via Facebook. I'll be posting this on Podbean and, you know, so I'm not pretending I'm some Luddite, otherwise I wouldn't have a podcast, but I don't think it's simply a matter of, well, use the technology unquestioningly and just do every, you know, well, I think we can be a little skeptical and I think we can maybe protect ourselves from some of this. Yeah. The, I know my, like some people in the family, they have my, so my phone, I don't like to be given like a thing happened, you know, a thing, check your thing. So I, I turn it off all day. I never have the volume on. I have it on for being able to get like a vibration for a text and a phone call so I can pick up if need be. But yeah, if I had dings going all the time, I'd probably kill myself. I, I'd already be dead. I, I just couldn't handle that. But I do notice some people, it's like ding on their phone. They're like, oh, immediately. And my understanding is there's a trick though. I mean, even if you do want to have the dings, like you can like ding, I'm going to wait a second. I'm not going to do the Pavlov instant thing. And then you can kind of, 
there is a way for us to wrestle our minds back through mindfulness, through awareness. So we can go into the lion's den of technology and we can have armor and maybe we wouldn't, or maybe it's like a mask, right? Maybe it's not a hundred percent, but it's a lot better than nothing and can, can reduce infection. So there are things. Well, the, but that assumes you have total control over how you're reacting. I mean, kind of the, the premise of this is that they're able to hijack your brain and hijack your compulsions and use it to scrape data, use it to sell that data they scrape. Like for, for with me, I was the, the, so the first two phones I had, um, I dropped in the toilet the very first day I had them in the same exact way. I like knocked them off the, I put it on the, the bathroom sink, like uh -huh. knocked it off straight into the toilet. And so as a result, I had really crappy phones for like years and it was never fun. Like I never got into it. But there, there was a period of my life, fairly well, somewhat recently, where I had two teenage daughters. Um, I had my wife was dying, and my dad was actually, after that open heart surgery, was living with me. So there was all this shit going on. And I, that's when I suddenly made the jump to uh, Google Calendar, mm -hmm. where suddenly just to take care of all these appointments, I was just like, mm -hmm. I had to consult Google Calendar every day. And that is what sucked me into phone land. And now I'm, I'm one of those people I always made fun of. I always, if there's a moment of downtime, I will look at my phone. I never did before Google Calendar, but that was my own little like gateway drug into, into being affected by my phone, into reacting in a compulsive manner to everything that it, you know, that it tells me. Yeah, we get sucked in. There's always something that's going to suck us in a little bit and I think it's a good question. How much can we control it? I think we can be an objective observer and be like, here are my patterns with this, but it takes a lot of work and most people aren't going to put that work into it. And yeah, I mean, an interesting thing, if you're driving and then you stop at a stoplight, look to the side and I almost guarantee you that the person is on your, their cell phone, <laughs> like not necessarily while they're driving, although a lot. And that's one thing, whatever you have, you know, an earbud and you're talking to somebody, I don't think that's a big deal, but you know, fucking around with the screen, but texting, yeah. Yeah. But it's like, oh, here's that spare minute. And uh, I get to check my thing. And you know, they may have a legitimate appointment and stuff like that, but I found myself doing that. I'm like, I have nothing to, why am I needing to check? So I, I hide it from myself. I, I have to do kind of a child lock and I'm not even, I'm one of the probably the less addicted People, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here. I'm just saying that even somebody like myself who's putting all these precautions into place and maybe doesn't quite have an addictive personality, I'm still like, why, why did I, why am I checking Facebook again? Who cares? Like, I'll, I'll you know, and I do value communications on Facebook and through my work of get as a writer, I do kind of depend on social media. If I wasn't a writer trying to sell books and put out stuff about me, I don't even know if I would be on social media, but it's, it sucks that it would have to be like, all right, you have to go cold Turkey and never talk to your aunt versus I have to accept all of this inundation. And I don't know, maybe, maybe literal brain damage. Um, people are becoming Ooh. stupider. <laughs> they're, they're becoming more, and I'm going to include myself in all of these above things. Uh, certainly less attention span. Now I read a lot. So I think I'm able to protect myself from that, but I see people who have forgotten. They've forgotten how to read. 
they cannot read anymore because they're like in the three minute intervals of dinging and dinging. So there, there's stuff that's going, we're more short tempered and we start thinking that we're, I mean, I, I don't know if I've seen it carry on the way people are with commenting in real life. I think most people are still afraid of getting punched. So they're not going to say that, but it's carried over a little bit too. Well, it's something that, and this goes against, I guess, one of my center your views of humanity, but an interesting like side to this is that we're so predictable. Like everybody has the same basic reactions to all this stuff. Like it, it's not that hard to figure out what people are going to do. And I would like to believe that, you know, in the, the, you know, unending variety of human nature and how we're all these unique individuals, but we're at least in terms of like a, you know, stimulus and response, we're really not. We're all reacting to Facebook in the same way. We're all reacting to everything in the same way. And it's a simple response. We're, we're, it's just, we're way too, we're less, we're more predictable than I would have thought if you'd asked me yeah. 20 years ago, 25 yeah. years ago. But we're volunteering ourselves for it. There's that meme that goes around that has some picture from 1950s with somebody on the old fashioned telephone saying, I hope they're not listening to me. I hope they're not recording this conversation. And then the next one with Alexa saying, Hey, wiretap, how's the traffic out there? Yeah. So no. like we've, we've literally invited, we already know what this stuff is doing. I mean, that's, the, you know, that's how it gets right. in our, our heads though. Like, yeah. I'm not sure you and I have even met, but we've met a ton of times, just right. always virtual. So it's a neat, I mean, it's a legit need. Um, it just worms its way in a different ways. It's like the Google Calendar. That was a legit thing that ended up being a gateway into um, something that was, you know, that was less, that was more genuinely compulsive and less, you know, filling a, a legit need. Right. Well, th now is probably a good time to acknowledge, Jeff, that I'm actually AI. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a simulation. So that's why we've never met in person. It has nothing to do with the pandemic. Uh, it's just... <laughs> I'm not, I don't exist. So. You know, like 60% of the, I don't know if this is, a, I, I think I read this, 60% of the traffic on Twitter, I'm not on Twitter, um, is is AI driven, is bot driven. Mm, that doesn't it's surprise me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's I'm not on Twitter, so it surprises the fuck out of me. Can I say I, so? Yeah, you can, you can certainly say fuck. Yep. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't surprise me at all. And so there's the tech stuff that's warping our brain. Well, at the same time, it's a tool. So a useful tool, cool. a, a hammer. Oh man, that guy got killed by a hammer. Well, you know, I still need to hit nails, you know? So I'm certainly not saying no technology. I, I do think we could probably cut back a lot and we'd probably be better off, but you brought up some other things in, in some early notes around the brain with guilt and propaganda. You have gaslighting. You wrote, said religion, torture. And I, I would say another element is lying to ourselves. So people are lying to us all the time, right? But we're constantly lying to ourselves yeah. and the concept of the Jungian shadow that, and we can, we can hold mirrors in a way that we can see our blind spots if we want to, but we, we certainly don't want to. So what do you think about all that? Is that just inborn computing that we're, we're susceptible to those things? Well, non-tech ones, I don't know that we're any more susceptible, but it, the, I think the point hiding in there perhaps is that it, it kind of goes again to the thing I was saying earlier, that there's so many variables and it, 
you need to be mindful enough to kind of uh, examine them, not just the tech variables, like what is my husband telling me? What is my wife telling me? What are my kids telling me? How do my pets react to me? Um, what is the government telling me? What is the newspaper telling me? I mean, there's just so many people competing for your brain, like competing for advertising space in your brain. And it's not just people who, you know, we can talk about tech companies wanting money or wanting data. Your wife wants you to clean the house more often. Your cat wants you to feed it more often. Like everything that interacts with how your brain works has its own agenda. Yep. I mean, yeah, I think I think there's a lot of folks competing for brain space. I remember. I hope I won't. I won't uh, piss off religious folks out there. When I first got the girls, we adopted them. They were 18 months and three years uh, when we got them, and I would take them. Um, I was working three quarters time at, for uh, CSU, so my last two hours, I would just take them on these endless strolls around Pueblo, where we lived at the time, and we'd always go past this uh, Catholic church. It was a really nice Catholic church. And this statue, like in the center of this, like outside, like little patio they had of the Virgin Mary. They just didn't want religion to get their fingers inside their little brains. Mm-hmm. Like we, we took them to church. Like we tried to, we let them make their own decisions. But that was another thing. Just another folk out there competing for their brain. I told my kids it was J Lo. That's the story. That's the mm-hmm. statue of J Lo <laughs> because I didn't want. I didn't want Catholicism, particularly any religion, but particularly Catholicism to have its little, it's again, like the brain being that piece of clay. I didn't want them like digging in and, you know, these little, these little, uh, you know, finger marks of guilt and of sin and, you know, of, of in way, ways that Christians are different from other people. Mm -hmm. I just didn't want that in there. Yeah, but you know, again, I don't know that I'm any better than the Catholic Church. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be putting in those same furrows in the clay of their brain. I just, I think I know what my motivations are, and I, I trust mine more than the Catholic Church. But there's probably no, you know, true difference because I've got those ten thousand, you know, folks in my brain telling me to do things. My parents' voices. You know, society's voices, yada, yada, yada. What I read on Facebook that morning, thinking that, oh, I'm not a good father because that picture of that of that man playing with his kids while I was, you know, watching TV or whatever. It just, there's just so much, there's so many people trying to get their fingers into your brain. I guess I'll, I'll put it that way. Including us horror authors. Read my yeah. book. Buy my latest <laughs> book. Why aren't you reading and buying and reviewing my book? Yeah, so we're, we're a part of that, but I think, yeah, some of it is more obvious. We'd like you to buy our book because it makes it so we can keep writing those books. You know, there's that stuff, but I I'm thinking of an analogy in terms of, so people can get high on pot, weed, cannabis, whatever they're calling it now. And that's because we have circuitry in the brain that basically allows for that, right? We couldn't get high on pot unless the brain kind of had evolved that way. Mm-hmm. And in a sense, would we be as susceptible to things like religion? And I would say ideology, which I think is just another oh, yeah. form of religion. If the brain didn't sort of almost want it, like it, it may be a bug in that it evolved to that, but what we all seem to these, these certain religions and you know, I'm sort of uh, <laughs> I'm agnostic on religion. I'm sort of like, I, I see where it's gone wrong, but I also see people finding meaning in life can be really 
really helpful. And there's probably yeah, something going on behind the scenes, but yeah, there's obviously a lot of the most horrible things that have ever happened. And a lot of the most brainwashed people fall into that religious category, but it seems like we kind of want some overarching order. So these things wouldn't be so popular if we didn't sort of crave them. And same with Facebook and what, what's the fuck it's, we, we've, it's not just that we're, and I'm making many complicated points here, I guess, but it's not that they're just forcing this stuff on us. We're kind of clamoring for it at the same time. Well, is it, there's a theory, isn't there, that, uh, that, that civilization may have been born partly through the cultivation of marijuana. Isn't that like a thing? At least <laughs> a theory out there. I don't know if it's a, you know, a, a well that a lot of people believe it, but I know it's a theory that we, that we began. One of the earliest cultivated plants i'll put it that way is marijuana yeah these very early societies yeah i think that's true yep yeah but like like this is to correct an earlier point i'm not it's not even that i'm so much distrustful of religion like i know they're going to do this it's that i don't know it's that i don't i'd have no idea what that influence is going to be um and it's it might be kind of silly to you know to to put religion into a box and not put say the democratic party into the same box because it's, it's folks trying to control your brain through ideology. Every political party, every movement and theory definitely has an ideology, Republican ideology, Democrat ideology. And well, no question. Let me throw this at you then. Do you think that that maybe like this, This uh, I assume it's real. Um, it certainly seems real, though this might be just our the filter of social media and, and filter of, of news media. But the, the, this uh, this uh, great polarization happening in society might just be a result. Part I shouldn't say might just be a result, but partially be a result of the simplistics of that like response. That it's just it's really easy mm-hmm. to push every issue into two camps, and that that's and that a like button only allows you to like one or the other. It's not like well. Right. Let me choose this gray, you know, thumb that's going two thirds of the way up because I agree with some of that. That it 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 forces the dichotomy on you because it's not because it cares, but because that's that's how that's how the the stimulus response thing works. It's a yes no binary switch, and as a result, you know, we are being pushed into these binary choices that nobody really believes in. Abortion, my God, there must be you know, as many different opinions on abortion is there are people and they're all nuanced like i don't know anybody that does not have a really nuanced opinion on abortion but when you see it on the social media you can see it on the paper it's yes no it's right wrong it's life death choice life it's it's we're being forced into dichotomy because that's easier for the folks attempting to control our brains that that's it's a limit of the device they're using to control us I guess. yeah and and i think Yes, I, I, I definitely agree with a lot of that. I, I do think folks are trying to control us. And I also think at the same time, there have other things. Sometimes they are just trying to give us a thing that we like. So I do also think sometimes they are trying to help. So I think it's all the above, but obviously the control is, is a part of it. I don't, I don't personally think like a, a Zuckerberg is like, okay, how do I destroy the human race you know, in the next 10 years? Although he may be helping in that. And I think clearly some of their decisions fall into the twisting mustache category of the evil villain for sure. Although I wouldn't probably say all of it, but 
I think that's a really great point. It's, it's not just simply that people are arguing with one another that you're going to only see in your silo the, the things you agree with in Facebook for the most part, and then you have a faceless other person that you're arguing against. That is not the only reason for the polarization. It's because maybe just for simplicity's sake, just because it'd be more complicated, yeah. there's it's basically black and white. Here's this issue, you know, black and white on President Biden, you know, instead of, well, you know, here is like a, a little bit here. It's mostly black, but it's like one step down. It's like a, it's a charcoal gray, or you could maybe have a very light gray. So it's then all of a sudden you're training your brain. You know what? Most of this, I think is crap, but okay. I will acknowledge that a little bit instead. No, it's pushing us in the truth or lies. And it's like, well, I think every single thing anyone says, including me, probably has maybe not every phrase, but overall has elements of truth and probably things that are not true. You know, you can take the worst thing in the world. And if, if I ask people to give me an example, they'll give me an awful example. And I'm not going to defend that. But even the worst people who have ever professed beliefs, there's probably going to be some kernel of truth that at least an element of how their feeling is based on that we can acknowledge, okay, that person got all fucked up that way. So that's why they believe it. And if I were in that situation, maybe I believe it too. But all that is, none of that's happening on, on Facebook and, and that whole world. It is that binary world. So I think that's a pretty good theory you have. It's, it's, a, yeah, it's a consequence of the mechanism they're using. There's no it just happened like it just and it may be accidental it may be i'm going to give you the possibility yeah. that it might be an accident not like ha 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 this is what we'll do but there probably are some people that are like ha 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 <laughs> so well certainly aspects of it are are accident at least i mean going to facebook because it's the gorilla in the room like i i doubt he figured that all out in advance i'm sure the like button just was like whoa they just suddenly realized after putting it on there what an engine for addiction like what, you know, what was his first thing? Like girls hot or not? Yeah, I'm sure the folks in the same way, you know, maybe, you know, people were addicted because of, in a different way. Am I hot or am I not? Is she hot or is she not? It's still that it's again, the binary. Yes, no, hot or not. Right. Which but, is so absurd. Yeah. Yeah. That it's, yeah. it's just, yeah. I, I mean, maybe that's, but yeah, I don't want to blame Zuckerberg because I think we all think that way. But it was clearly his limited. I shouldn't. I won't even say it's his limited thinking. It's that device. It's that like button. I think just the consequence of yeah. the yes, no of the like button and the oversimplicity of the of the like. Button. Right. And he certainly did not put a lot of effort into being worried about the consequences. So at the very least, that alone makes him a villain in yeah, my yeah. book, even if, again, I write horror and I write antagonists who I want to have a little bit of humanity. So I certainly, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put him in the complete evil category, but I would acknowledge there's probably some, some, some of that going on there. He's definitely part, part villain. So I'm not trying to let any of those people off the hook, but it, yeah, it just shows how, how complex the issue is. And yeah, they're messing with their brains and we're kind of voluntarily <laughs> asking, asking for more. But again, it's like, the way I sometimes have to go into the middle of the wilderness just for a little bit of quiet. Sometimes I'm like, you know, that's sort of, I love the middle of the wilderness, but there should be a spot where I don't have to like risk my life for a little bit of quiet, but society is like, nope, as long as you're going to be a part of a society, you have to have constant noise. It's almost like the same with this tech stuff. They're like, well, you guess what? All your data has to be used and you have to have your brain melted if you want to be able to sell your book. And it's like, 
really, I only have those two choices. And, but I, I guess we don't. And there are ways that we can prevent to a certain degree, our brains from being melted. But, you know, if it's well, not, I, yeah, go well, ahead. I, I was thinking while we were talking about this is that like, maybe if we had like three arms instead of two, like maybe even <laughs> just the idea of having a left arm and a right arm pulls you into thinking of things in terms of dichotomies. Yeah, two eyes, all those things. Yeah, everything's one and two. Everything's symmetrical. That would make a good story, which don't steal it. Don't steal it people who are listening. No one can steal (laughs) Jeff's idea. I'm not going to write it. Okay. Go go for it. Um, But yeah, that that maybe a race of creatures that had three arms were really did not understand polarization and really, like maybe the, the, the middle arm was the useful arm. Maybe they have all these parables in their culture about this is why we have a middle arm that that their biology allowed them this new way of looking at the world that we didn't get because we're we only have two arms yeah and then we have two hemispheres of the brain so all that stuff all the binary stuff which yeah i mean can be considered natural and no negative influence this is not technology it's not parasites it's just how we're built so it's almost like that is in us so i i do think we want to go out there and we want to see what is the sources of contamination but you know the call is coming from inside the house sometimes <laughs> yeah well put yeah because yeah because zuckerberg has a bicameral brain and yeah like yeah I'm well sure he's that... he's an android so that doesn't quite <laughs> well, apply he has two arms and i'll put it there right he might have a secret third arm but yeah the biology pushed him to the like button and we're drawn to the like button for the same reasons that he was, you know, he thought of it. Well, all that being said, I do hope people press the like button for this podcast <laughs> and share it with others, but maybe think about why you're doing it or why you're not doing it. And Jeff, can you tell us maybe what you're working on? You mentioned your novel, maybe say a few more fit words about that and maybe where else people can find your oh, yeah. excellent work. Thank you. Um, I'm, the novel probably won't you know, would be done for another six months or so. It's called Chew. Um, it's more science fiction, a little less horror than I usually write. Um, folks who want to read my stuff now, I, all I've got now are short stories. I have one novel out there that, frankly, I don't think is very good. I wrote it 20 years ago. Um, but it's on Amazon. I've got a lot of stories on Amazon, short stories. They're all 99 cents. Um, and even folks who have bought my stories, if you can buy their magazine, I'll have it up on the list too. So anybody wants to read something, just look up Jeff Wood on uh, Amazon. I'm not the not the one in prison. I'm not the one who's a country singer. I'm the other Jeff Wood that writes horror. Sure, um, Jeff. There are a lot. <laughs> and then the one I want to push, uh, I've got a, a newsletter that, uh, called uh, The Ort Cloud. Um, it's it's on Substack now for a, while, for a long time was on Blogger. And there was a long period where I wasn't writing, but I mean, good Lord, at this time, I mean, it must think it's a, it's a blog slash newsletter that's been going on for like 15 years. So there's a lot of, at first it was more about orbital mechanics and kind of that metaphor. Um, hmm. I'm not, I'm not, I don't really have an overarching metaphor anymore, but anyway, I write, you know, once a week, usually a couple of times a month, um, once a month here that during the holidays. Um, but yeah, Jeff M. Wood on Substack. You can look for me on there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm pretty fond of those. They'll have they'll have links. I I try to push a uh, a short story out there using the newsletter once a month. I'll just say, hey, read this. I'll tell you about the story. So yeah, if you want to read my writing, look up Jeff Wood on Amazon and 
Jeff M. Wood on Substack would be the place I would start. Yeah, and that will be linked in the description. So people okay. can check it out that way. Thank you so much, Jeff, for coming on. Josh, this was really there. enjoyable. I really enjoyed talking. I didn't know it was going to to uh, jump on Facebook so quickly. Or uh, That's why I leave it open. Leave it open and see where it goes organically. Mm-hmm. Unless we've been programmed to do this. Who knows? <laughs> well, it was a lot of fun. I appreciate being invited on. Thanks for taking a trip with me through Josh's Worst Nightmare, where I, Josh Schlossberg, survey the dark landscape of biological horror fiction presented by Denver Horror Collective. If you don't want to miss any of the great, and sometimes disturbing, weekly episodes I've got planned for you, be sure to subscribe to Josh's Worst Nightmare on a variety of podcast platforms. You can also sign up for Josh's Worst Nightmare e-newsletter at joshsworstnightmare.com, where I share a whole squirming mess of bio-horror, including my infamous haiku horror reviews and my latest dark scribblings. Speaking of which, if you haven't already picked up a copy of my cosmic biological folk horror novella, Moline, from D&T Publishing, you can find a copy of the paperback, hardcover, or ebook at Amazon, Godless.com, or Josh'sWorstNightmare.com. Yours darkly, Josh Schlossberg.